Hi there, and welcome to Frollo, the single parent podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Desmond, single parent and founder of Frollo, the single parent community app. Frollo is all about empowering the single parent experience through friendship, community and support. And this podcast brings you conversations with other single parents about their experiences and the challenges and rewards that go hand in hand with raising a child by yourself. There are so many different aspects to single parenting, and I think it's about time we put a more positive spin on the term single parent, because one thing is for sure, single parents are truly incredible. I hope you enjoy this episode of Frollo, the Single Parent Podcast. Today, I am joined by the incredible Nicole Lepera, otherwise known as the Holistic Psychologist. Lepera's work focuses on a holistic approach to mental health, and she shows us that we often have the tools within us to facilitate our own healing. Nicole has almost 4 million followers on Instagram and her newly released book entitled How to Do the Work has already become a New York Times and Sunday Times bestseller. I am so excited and so grateful that Nicole graciously accepted my invitation to chat to me for this episode as I know that this conversation and Nicole's work will really resonate with the Frollo community. Nicole, welcome to the Frodo podcast and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you so much, Zoe, for having me. Uh, and huge congratulations on your success. I'm here with your book, How to Do the Work, and I have to say I've never been so excited to see my Amazon delivery guy <laughs> <laughs> last week when it arrived and it absolutely lives up to expectation and more. So I just really cannot wait for more and more people to get their hands on it. It's incredible what you put together. So thank you. Thank you so much. It, it definitely feels like Christmas for me, especially because the project's been alive for me for now the better part of two years. So I'm like, come on, get it in their hands. Yeah, it's it's really brilliant. Just pearls of wisdom. And I came across you on Instagram probably a couple of years ago now. And I remember just this feeling of like I had found something that just resonated so deeply, very kind of simple bite-sized posts and teachings and learnings that just, as I say, resonated so, so deeply. And I've seen your page go just blow up really since then. And you've now got three and a half million followers. Every time I log on, I'm like, oh yeah, she's got another 200,000 followers. And, you know, but I think it must be because you really have that impact on people. Your teachings get right to the very heart of things. So I'd love to really go back in time and hear about where that journey started from you and how you came to this point where you have released a book called How to Do the Work, which is recognizing your patterns, healing from your past and create yourself and where you have this huge following on socials that's just going from strength to strength. Absolutely. So the, the journey on social um, actually started after um, and was inspired by my own healing journey. Um, so for me, my as long as I can remember thinking back in time, um, I was a very anxious person. Um, started out, of course, as a very anxious child. 
I'm afraid of all the bumps in the night, afraid of bad things happening to my loved ones. Um, when I was in my 20s and I had began having my first panic attacks, I you know entered the therapy system as many of us do. I was on medication. I was in treatment rooms myself. Um, I had a really intuitive curiosity for again as long as I can remember, really wanting to understand other humans. Um, I think really aimed at understanding what I saw as being differences in people. Why are people the same as me? Why are people different than me? Um, so from that place of curiosity, I was, you know, professionally, if you will, marching the journey to becoming a clinical psychologist um, with my hope being not only to shed more awareness and insight um, onto myself, as I think a lot of us practitioners do, right? We enter um, for our own reasons, though, of course, I was hoping to extend that insight to my clients um, to help them understand themselves and obviously create change in their lives. So flash forward in time, um, and many years into my practice, and I came, the feeling I kept coming up against um, personally and also professionally, Zoe, was an incredible deep sense of disempowerment. Um, seeing humans, again, much like myself, accumulating insight, um, awareness, understanding, perhaps habits and patterns that were no longer serving them, maybe even troubleshooting, coming up with a new plan of action um, to begin to create change in some of those areas, yet week after week, um, those humans would come back with increasing frustration at this point, increasing disempowerment because they were endlessly unable to bridge that gap, to make the change. Um, so for me, it was really come, came from that low place. I, I really sought first to understand um, why I was continuing to struggle despite having all of the tools, right, being the licensed professional in the room. And then furthermore, why I was really struggling to help my clients, um, and what I began to understand is a much, the need, really, the great need for a much more unified way of conceptualizing the human and, of course, working than in the psychological field. And I really began to think more holistically about myself um, and to implement, you know, holistic new changes, lifestyle choices. And for the first time in 30 some years, I actually began to create and maintain change in my life and so I was wondering, you know, what to do with this newfound information. And actually, as it began, my Instagram account that July 2018, I think it is when I started it, um, my intention for even using the Holistic Psychologist account, which I created back then, was mainly, it was twofold. Um, my first intention was to give me a place to begin to just share my story, to speak this new truth um, that I was now living into. After I had, you know, into my healing journey by that point, I'd come to the realization, Zoe, that I hadn't been doing much of that thus far. I had been filtering my truth through pretty much everyone else, um, what, it, what their experiences of my truth might be, and I was watering it down. Um, so I really had no anticipation of, of how universally resonating my story would be when I began to share it. I just knew that for me, it was important to begin to stand in that authentic truth because my second intention was to find other humans to connect with, to find mm -hmm. other people, right, who were living similar stories or who were walking similar journeys toward healing um, because I was feeling quite alone and I was experiencing a lot of change in many of my pre-existing relationships. So I went online, flash forward in time, without any expectation. And what I did see, to speak to your very beautifully worded point, is 
there were tons of humans who were getting it, who were shaking their head up and down and saying, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is how it was for me. These are the changes mm. I've been making too. Um, and from that point forward, very early on seeing that the resonance was also universal. This wasn't just people in my small neck of the woods in Philadelphia saying, yeah, I get it. This was people from all around the world and different cultural backgrounds saying, yes, this is making sense to me. Um, and from that point forward, I became more resolved um, in that path and obviously wow. continuing to share that journey on Instagram as I am still. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I have to say, not that I would in any way compare Frollo with what you're doing, but I do relate to that feeling. And just from my own journey, when I became a single parent, which is why I started Frollo, because I felt like there was a huge shift sort of happening in my own life. And I was really struggling to find that level of connection and understanding that I was seeking, I suppose, and, and wanting to find a community of people who could really relate to how I was feeling, what I was going through, and just to have that, I suppose, comfort of that shared experience and not feeling alone in it. And like that, Frodo, before the app launched, it was just an Instagram page where I was talking about the app launching. But it's amazing that once you tell your story and how you're feeling, which was, I remember for me, the first post on the Frodo Instagram page was just an honest story about what I was feeling as a single parent and why I was doing this. And I remember feeling absolutely sick to my stomach <laughs> and thinking, oh my God, is everyone going to think I'm looking for attention? Is this going to be embarrassing to my family? Is this going to be deemed as a cry for help or something? And so it felt it felt pretty awful, but in a way liberating. But then, yeah, I think people do then connect and relate to it. So it's such a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. I think when people are find that courage to just be really mm -hmm. truthful about an experience because it helps so many other people access that mm -hmm. themselves. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really happy that you're you know speaking to the the vulnerability of it all. And, and it really does. And honoring people like yourself, because it, it does take courage. We can sit here and say, I'll oh, just share your story online. And people mm. might get it though. There's a lot that goes into making oneself. Well, first and foremost, as I often share, being honest with ourselves about our story, because yeah. we're all, we're, we're often the first roadblock um, to that really transparency, that radical honesty. We often deny aspects of our story um, to ourselves first. And then, you know, breaking down that barrier to then be vulnerable to even just one person, even being vulnerable to the people with whom you're in personal relationships, let alone sharing the story on such a public platform. So much easier said than done. And I definitely honor people like yourself who are taking that brave step forward um, to begin to stand in their truth um, because it isn't easy to do that. Thank you. I would definitely, yeah, encourage people to do it because there is something incredibly liberating about it. And I think it allows then people to step forward and connect with you, even just people in your life on a deeper level, I suppose, having yes. seen you do that. So in your book, you mentioned the dark night of the soul and what your dark night of the soul was. And I feel like, well, many people in, in the Frollo community, I'm sure will be able to relate to feeling a kind of dark night of the soul for various reasons. But what was it for you and what did it mean for you? 
so Dark Knight of the Soul, um, I definitely do think is a very unique um, experience. It is, it hits a little different. It feels a little different. There's a little different symptoms, if you will, for each of us. Um, at its core, what I believe a Dark Knight of the Soul to be is an accumulation um, again, of imbalances, for lack of a better word, symptoms, ways of being that no, that don't serve us, um, that are um, born out of, I should say, a disconnection from the authentic self. Um, it's a way of being that so many of us are repeating, a very conditioned way of be being um, where often we're not honoring our deeper needs, perhaps the needs of our body, um, perhaps our emotional uh, needs, um, and perhaps our spiritual needs. So for me, um, it wasn't one, you know, big glaring moment where I hit this, you know, rock bottom and knew what the hell it was. Um, for me, it was just a gradual accumulation, if I'm honest, Zoe, of a lifetime of these such symptoms, of a lifetime of, for me, being disconnected to my body, um, to the extent that my body was completely imbalanced. It wasn't getting the nutrients it needs. It wasn't getting the sleep it needs. Um, it was very inflamed. It was having damage to its gut area, all, again, producing symptoms. For me, they were very much um, in the camp of anxiety, always feeling on edge, never really feeling settled in my in my body, in my skin, um, never really feeling at peace. Um, another set for me was a gradual, you know, kind of descent away from self because of the way I was showing up in the world. So what I referenced earlier, not standing in my truth, that really um, expanded into all areas, not honoring my emotions, um, always overstepping how I felt um, in service of or what I believed was in service of other people, putting their needs before my end. Um, so what that looked like is me always being the helper, showing up for other people in relationships. Um, what it was doing internally was resulting in an accumulation of feelings, of emotions, of all of those emotional expressions that weren't being released. Um, we now know that they don't go anywhere just because we're not feeling our feelings doesn't mean that we're free of them. Um, for me, that the energies were accumulating in my body. Again, my emotional needs weren't being met. Um, so again, it was a very gradual slipping away from that. In terms of spiritually, um, I really had no connection to myself. If you would have asked me anything from what do I like, what are my you know preferences and taste to what's my goal in life, what's my passion, my purpose, um, these I believe all come from our spiritual self. I would have had no idea. Yet, like I described earlier, I was marching a career trajectory. I had checked many boxes. I had a successful practice. Um, and again, though, that was coming from that role type place. So again, it was very gradual for me. It wasn't a cataclysmic moment where life was so unbearable. It was a gradual descent into what began to feel like um, as I entered my 30s, really a life devoid of feelings, um, a, a life really disconnected from my body. I did not feel positively at all about my body. Um, and every way that I was feeling was really confusing because externally, like I had mentioned, I appeared to be functioning at a very high level. I was in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I had a successful practice, um, right? I had letters after my name. I had all of the things that I think are the trimmings, right, of a successful life, yet I had arrived in a sense. And my feelings, my fulfillment, that emptiness was so, so pervasive. So that was my um, experience of dark night of the soul. Like I said, I believe we all um, experience different symptoms around it. I believe the unifying characteristic, though, is a disconnect again from some aspect, perhaps even all three 
the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual um, aspects of the self. Yet we're living, again, life day in and day out in a very conditioned way that contributes to, like I described, the symptoms, whether they're in our physical body or in our emotional selves when we're not living in balance or connection. So how did you seek to find that connection or what were the steps from the dark night of the soul? Yeah, so my first step was to figure out what the hell was going on. Why was I in a, in a state of emotional breakdown? Mm-hmm. Uh, why were these symptoms? Why did my physical body seemingly start to, to break down? Um, by that point, you know, memory issues that I had always had were turning into me forgetting my words mid-sentence. Um, I had started to always just having, you know, an elevated heart rate, always just feeling on edge turned into I started to faint um, out of nowhere. So for me, it was fear-based at first. It wasn't, oh, this is my dark night. Let me very curiously dive in and see what's going on here. Um, For me, it was let me figure out what's wrong with me. Um, because something does appear to be wrong with me, either physically or emotionally and or both. Um, And the gift um, from that fearful place was, as many of us do, I went online um, and I began to kick around, you know, what, like put my symptoms in, what could this be? Um, And what I was met with was a whole new world um, of science around the epigenetic uh, effects of our lifestyle choices, um, around the effects of stress on our bodies and how living in a, in a stressed nervous system can begin to translate to these physical symptoms that I was experiencing. So for me, my first foundation that I began to create for myself was twofold. Um, I should mention my first foundation I began to create was living consciously of really watching and observing myself in the world, seeing what my habits and patterns are. Now that I became aware that they were important to consider, uh, my first foundation I, I began to create for myself is living consciously, being the observer of myself, being aware of those older subconscious habits and patterns that weren't serving me. And then what I began to do is create a reconnection with my body. I began to rebuild some balances through sleep, through nutrition, and through nervous system regulation. Because by that point, I had uncovered um, that a lot of my symptoms, namely my anxiety, which for me was lifelong, might have been and might be connect it to my body much more than I thought. Um, For a very long time in the field, we thought when you have anxiety, oh, it's a mind issue, right? You don't have a genetic chip. There's some neurotransmitters that you're deficit in or that you don't have enough of in your brain. And now here I was being met with, wait a minute, there's a whole body that we're attached to, um, particularly a nervous system that could be contributing to these lifelong symptoms that many of us are experiencing. So I began to create a plan of action um, so that I can begin to change Um, first and foremost, the way I was treating my body. And can you share about what some of that plan of action was? So for somebody who might find that this all resonates with them and they're like, what do I do? How do I fix it? Where do I go from here? Yes. So the first step that we want to take, like I said, is begin to create a habit of living consciously. And the reason why I harp on this is because the reason why, going back to how I was describing those clients uh, many years ago, unable to bridge the gap between insight and action, right? Unable to actually do the things that I'm intending, create change, show up differently Mm -hmm. the next time the same thing happens. What I came to realize, the reason why we're not able to create change and why we're more often than not stuck is because our subconscious mind is so incredibly powerful and it is the, the space from which 
now the the you know the statistics um, range, but you know you'll typically read upwards of ninety percent of our day. We're actually allowing our subconscious mind. We're allowing that autopilot that many of us have become familiar with, at least the term, maybe not in our lives, though we've all heard the term autopilot. And the reality is most of us humans are living in autopilot. We're living from that subconscious space. We're waking up and we're allowing the habits and patterns that the first thing we typically do each day to be the first thing we typically do. And that Mm. is why, right, we're unable to create change because when we're in that insightful mind, we're actually in a different part of our brain. Um, We're using the gift that we are all given as humans. We're using a very powerful prefrontal area where we can, you know, troubleshoot. We can see things that don't work for us from a much more insightful place and create a new plan of action. Yet time and time again, right, when we're slipping into those older habits and patterns, it's because we're not conscious. So the first thing that I suggest any one of us do, um, even those of you out there who are like, yes, my body is dysregulated and I need to change the way I'm caring for my body. We're not going to be able to create change unless we're showing up consciously, because the next time you go to take your meal or go to bed, chances are you're going to do so from the subconscious space. You're going to eat the meal the same way you always have done, right? And go to bed the same time in the same manner you always have done. So we want to create consciousness first. The tip I always give, and I actually used it myself because I know we're all walking around with technology these days is to set an alarm on your phone for, you know, maybe two or three random times during your waking hours when you're awake. And by the, to the extent that you'll probably forget what time you even set your alarm for, you're going about your day. And when that alarm goes off, I want you to do first a check-in and note, where was your attention? Are you fully immersed in whatever it is that you're doing in the moment or the person to whom you're talking Or are you somewhere else? Are you rehashing an argument, right, that you had with your partner that morning? Or are you, like me, worrying about a future event to come? Or perhaps you just don't know where you're at, but you're sure as hell not here. Yeah. Instance, right, where the chances are that is what you will find. You will find that you're not fully present and grounded in your body in the present moment when that alarm goes off. And that's okay. That's just an indicator that you are in that autopilot and you're not creating a situation where you can actualize a new choice. So now we want to fire up our brain in a new, in a new way. We want to learn how to, I say, tone that muscle of attention, learn that we can choose where we put our attention. And if we can hook it on the present moment, For some of us, it can be helpful to use our senses if we're doing, tasting, eating, touching, smelling, listening to something in the moment. When we can engage our senses, we can become consciously present to the moment. Mm -hmm. And when we're conscious, the reason why I harp on this is now I've gifted myself with choice. Now I can say, you know what? I see that older option that I've once always done and I can choose a new path. And until I create that consciousness, I'm going, my, my subconscious is going to decide for me. Yeah, that resonates a lot. <laughs> Definitely want to take the path of choice. And I want to talk about how our childhood impacts how we are and our patterns as adults and this comes from a place of trying to understand as an adult what might be still there from our childhood our patterns that are impacting our relationships or our subconscious habits and then also because obviously everyone in the Frollo community is a parent and thinking about how how we can support our kids as best we can 
now while they are children because I'm sure as parents we all have fears that our kids are all going to be in therapy (laughs) you know in time to come so it's maybe it's unavoidable but trying to make sure that we are yeah doing the best we can with all of this in mind. So what lives in the subconscious before I shift into the parenting aspect Um, it's important for all of us adults to honor the aspect of our own childhood that lives in that subconscious because what's what's in there what's back there those habits and patterns that i've been describing they originated more often than not very early on in our childhood based on those very real lived experiences that we have and these habits and patterns that i'm speaking of they're 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 beyond just the things we do day in and day out i know i've spoken about those already in the context of our lifestyle choices how are we caring for our physical bodies we're also very habited and patterned in our mental worlds in the emotions that we allow to be present in our daily life or the emotions that we don't we're very habited and patterned in how we cope with our emotions we tend to do the same thing when we feel that particular emotion each and every time We're also very patterned in the way we relate to others. Um, The earliest relationships we had, we tend to assume those same roles, enter those same dynamics. We find our relationships very similar to those earliest core relationships. We're very patterned and habited around the stories we tell ourselves that are running through our minds all day long, day in and day out, that are coloring our current now experiences. Most of those stories, again, were created and internalized at a very, very early time. So even though listeners might, you know, be well into adulthood in whatever year they're living now currently, chronologically, there is still a very deep part of ourselves that is very that is that is mapped on to our childhood experiences. So when we're in that autopilot, what most of us are doing is we're going back, right? And we're living from that older past place, oftentimes in ways that no longer serves us as adults, that no longer maybe is accurate based on our new changed environments, the new circumstances that we find ourselves living in, perhaps even the new relationship options that we find available to us, yet we still find familiarity And according to our subconscious, that which is familiar is preferable to that which is not. It does not like the uncertainty um, of what, what could come because according to our subconscious, it could be threatening. It could actually result in the death of our organism. All of this really does go back to our evolutionary drives. So in, it is preferable according to our subconscious to stay in those familiar ways of being, no matter how much they are no longer serving us, no matter how illogical some of those patterns are. So, sorry, I was just, I was just going to say, there's so many places I want to, to go through from there because I think a lot of people in the Frollo community, including myself, will probably have chosen certain types of partners and things like that and you know and there are patterns in relationships and from what you're saying probably a lot of that is down to what we've experienced in our in our childhood what we're used to certain dynamics but how do we change that I know I've gone from asking you about the kids thing to now asking about relationships so go go wherever you want to go yeah no this is it is important because we do have to change right we do have to to begin to show up differently um in in these circumstances and it's i just want to 
honor right now um, the function that staying in those familiar patterns, even relational ones have served. Because I know this is an area where a lot of us can carry a lot of shame. Um, we might even have those very well-intentioned, you know, humans in our life, family, perhaps loved ones, sisters, whomever, right. That are looking over our shoulder, wondering what the hell we're doing with yet again, the same person who mm-hmm. haven't we learned our lesson, you know, from a very well-intentioned place. Yet the truth of the matter is no, on some very deep level, we haven't learned because there is that sense of familiarity and safety. And we can really use that term familiar and safety interchangeably. We truly believe on some deep level that that path is the safest, even if it's not intuitively um, the safe path for us. Because I know many out there, and many of us can find ourselves in different, you know, boundary violating, maybe even abusive type relationships that are the farthest thing from sounding safe. Yet again, according to our subconscious, safety equals familiar. So I just want to offer the why behind it, because like I said, a lot of us carry a lot of shame. We feel like we're broken. We feel like a different you know, future isn't worthy. We're not worthy of a different path in life because all we continue to witness is those same habits and patterns, despite all of the insight and awareness not to engage in those. So here is a space where we can compassionately or we can begin to offer and cultivate because compassion itself is a process, compassion and understanding um, for those habits and patterns as they once served us. Though, to speak to your point, the reason why the book is called How to Do the Work, um, the reason why I talk about, you know, expanding the the journey of self-healing beyond the one hour that we have in a treatment room is because these habits and patterns live day in and day out. We do have to, like I said earlier, show up differently. We do have to begin to interact with others, um, operate within new dynamics, put up boundaries, maybe model. So this is how we're going to segue into parenting. I get Mm. questions, version of questions, you know, again, from very well-intentioned humans. How do I insert whatever the request is so that my child, you know, some version of, you know, has a different life experience than me? How do I parent, Mm. right? Consciously, how do I show them a new path so that they can avoid the pain I've lived and I've experienced. Very well-intentioned, coming from a very loving, caring place. Um, I have the idea that when I'm asked that question, um, I have the idea that it is expected that I give some kind of prescriptive information, right? Such that tell Johnny or tell Janet or, you know, do this. Yeah. Um, I think I frustrate a, a lot of, a lot of parents out there, perhaps when my response is some version of, a suggestion that they do the work, that they begin to embody a new way of being. Perhaps they show up in self-care in a new way. Perhaps they begin to navigate and develop some new coping tools for their emotions. Perhaps the parent themselves begins to embody a new way of being when they relate to their child. Because what I do know about childhood, it is that which is modeled to us that is so much more impactful than that which is told, right? That old adage, do as I say, not as I do, mm. is, 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 is grossly incorrect, Uh, We now have neuroscience to back it. We all are born and have up until death, honestly, something called mirror neurons, mirror, um, that fire when we watch, when we simply witness someone else being in the world, doing in the world, Mm. Um, we actually mimic their behavior in our brain alone. So that is the neuroscience reason why modeling is so much more impactful. Our children are watching us, watching us, and they're going to be much more impacted by what they see us do and or how they experience us in relationship to them, our emotions included, Mm. um, than the prescriptions we might give them. 
Well, I'll share something personal with you that happened a couple of days ago, which I'm sure many people in the Frollo community will empathize with. So my son, who's four years old, was with his dad and his dad dropped him back to me just as he was coming in the door. My son, his dad said, oh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. So he basically broke the news that he's bought a house with the person that he's with. Her son is in the same class as my son in school. So it's very kind of Mm -hmm. close to home. Anyway, this just hit me out of complete left field. I just, I suppose I didn't, I just wasn't expecting it for whatever reason. And even though it's been four years since we've been apart and it's nothing to do with that relationship, it's more, I think, just the... Yeah, it hit me like a ton of bricks, I think, because A, it came out of left field. And I think if I'm really honest, the thought of this happy family dynamic happening on the other side when my son isn't with me. And I suppose in my head, all I could see was this perfect picture of, you know, a mom and a dad and the kids and he'll have a, you know, someone he can think of as his brother and a sister and a big house and a big garden. And I just started crying and I couldn't stop crying. Then I was so just aware, obviously, that my four-year-old is there looking at me and I don't cry in front of him. You know, if I feel upset, I'll obviously just try and sort of go somewhere else or whatever. But he hasn't seen me like that. So he was just really, I think, unsure. He was like, mommy, are you crying? Why are you crying? And then he said to me, and I thought this was the sweetest thing. He said, mommy, and he put his hand on my leg and he said, mommy, take a deep breath. I'll do it with you. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, because every time he has a tantrum or whatever, or, you know, loses it. And I mean, he is a fiery little kid and like (laughs) very fiery. So when he loses it, he loses it. And it's, I think emotional regulation for both of us in those moments is difficult, but I always just try and ask him to, you know, take a deep breath and let's do it together. And I mean, he barely ever does it, but I kind of always, I persevere, but it was just what you're saying about modeling behavior. It just, honestly, I have to say that just, was the sweetest thing for him to just to see that, I suppose, empathy and that he is actually listening throughout his emotional outbursts. Yeah, he they're hearing, they're seeing, um, they're feeling. I want to mention that, you know, even those of us that think we're, we're really great at the stiff upper lip at not letting um, our, our children, even our, our peers, our loved one, our partners know what's really wrong. Mm. Um, energetic beings, we're communicating it. Um, even if we think we're really good um, at not, we're always sending messages and this includes to our children as well. So the more we can be transparent and show them and show alignment between what they're sensing, because they are, they are such attuned creatures. We all were. I'm um, even talking about us now from the adult um, perspective. We were all those little humans that were incredibly attuned to the world around me. And the large majority of my subconscious, my inner child, and her wounding um, are are in around non-direct things that were said in my household, not big glaring moments where it was like, yeah, this is bad. Um, it was all of the things that weren't said yet were felt. Um, and for children that can be 
one of the most overwhelming, confusing places to be. So even if we're experiencing something uncomfortable um, in that moment, that can be such a learning opportunity to share with our children that even mom can experience, you know, uncomfortable sadness or anger or whatever it might be. Um, And mom can use the same tools, right, that she's suggesting I use. And together we can find our safety and our emotions again. And what you're modeling in that moment very beautifully, Zoe, and all of you other parents out there is emotional resilience. So many of us believe we have to have that stiff upper lip Mm. because we weren't taught that it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to break down and to reach out and rely on support around us to restabilize. Uh, Most of us humans are trying to, to stiff upper lip it into adulthood, especially around our children. Um, Though, like I said, the breakdown of it all can be such an invaluable learning opportunity and an opportunity to develop what I believe is the resilience that most of us lack as adults. Yeah, I think that's very reassuring to hear. And I think the listeners will find that reassuring also, because I think especially as a single parent, there are just times when things do feel well, when things can get on top of you and when there's not another person adult grown up in the household to support you during those testing times but the fact that he was so surprised to see me crying which highlighted how much I hide it from him I suppose when I'm upset typically and he said mommies don't cry and I said mommies do cry I said daddies cry too not just kids cry and I think that was helpful for him to understand yeah, it's helpful. It's really helpful too to to model and to illustrate for our children how complicated our emotions are too, mm. right? Just like you described earlier, right? Seeing and everything that came up for you watching, you know, this new life being created out there. You can, us as humans, we can, and we often don't allow ourselves to make space for all of our feelings. So we can have complicated reactions, right? We could feel upset. We could feel okay at the same time. We could feel angry. We could feel hurt. We could feel at peace. We could feel everything. So if we can, again, model to our children that we don't have to feel one way, you know, you, us coming to the realization that life is better off, say, without this relationship in our world doesn't mean that I have to be happy as I watch this other person create a new relationship with another Mm. person. I can still be sad, right? I can still be mourning. I can still have an experience of loss. Um, And I say this because I believe and I've watched and I do it myself as an adult. We try to stick ourselves in boxes. We try to feel like, oh, because you know, I know that this decision is right for me, that I shouldn't feel sad about the decision or grief or loss in the decision itself or the results of the decision. Absolutely. That is also part of it. Being at peace can also mean, or knowing that this is not the path for us can also mean that we feel sadly about it and we can mourn um, the shift and the change that will now occur given this change in our life. Definitely. So thinking about the single parent community, are there any tips that you could think of for single parents to become self-healers for themselves and for our children? How can we best do that? So outside of right doing the work of healing, like we've been talking about, becoming conscious, becoming aware of our own inner child and beginning to show up in service of ourselves and modeling all of this amazing good stuff for our little ones. Um, I think the next important thing and 
right up there of in importance, of course, Zoe. And that's why I was so honored when you asked me to have this chat with you today. Um, and again, it was my in, one of my intentions that I shared earlier with even going online. Um, I think especially for your community of single single parents, single single mothers, it's finding supports. It's we are interpersonal creatures. We can't do this alone. We need those healthy relationships. And when you don't have them in the form of a partner or someone who's readily available, um, now, you know, the gift of social media, I know that, you know, we like to often talk about all of its negative qualities. The gift of it is it's another community or it's another area where we can find community. Um, so my next suggestion right out there, right out there in importance um, for all of the single parents out there is to find the supports, find the other humans, connect with people right that are listening to the podcast, that are in a community like that yours, um, other people who are walking the same journey so that you do have someone to reach out to when it gets hard so that you can share, you know, what's going on for you um, outside of obviously just relying on your your little one and you know support is so incredibly important and like I said it was a major motivator for me um, in creating the Instagram account and setting up that self healers hashtag so that we can all find each other and now in the offering of the self healer circle um, that we run it's the support the community so my suggestion is um, as especially and this goes hand in hand with my first suggestion of doing the work as we do the work often our relationships change for many of us, the relationships that we've been carrying, for some of us within a lifetime, begin to shift, begin to change. Maybe as we show up more authentically, we begin to feel a bit more separate from the people that we've once shared our space with, increasing then the need to find other humans that we can be our authentic selves with and that we can gain the support that, like I said, we each need as humans. I love that. It's a step-by-step journey, isn't it? And the more we do the work, and create that around us and hopefully it will the world will start reflecting back to us if we're conscious yes yes it is step by step it is a journey that's you know the other difficult aspect of this especially when we are perhaps in our dark night maybe we've hit our low maybe we do feel on some very real level that life needs to change we cannot tolerate it as it is Um, it is also important to honor that change doesn't happen overnight Um, Again, we have that part of our subconscious that doesn't want to change, that will battle us along the way, giving us all of the resistance, all of the reasons not to. It will feel uncomfortable. We might begin to experience ourselves and our relationships, right, in a new way. Um, And it is is a, a, a difficult experience creating change in our lives. So honoring that, getting the support, you know, that we need along the way is going to be pivotal. What if there's somebody in your life who you love dearly and you feel like they are in the dark night of the soul, but they refuse to acknowledge it and you feel helpless? Oh, one of the things I know, um, as difficult as helpless is for us humans to tolerate, another another learning that I've gathered along the way in my own life and, and witnessing many others is we can't actually change people. Um, as we've been just talking here, and I think it's, it's becoming clear for, for many of us, the process of change means us showing up differently day in and day out. We have to want to. We, we are the one that's going to show up and make new choices in each and every moment. So unless we have that internal you know, want to change or desire to change, um, it's very hard to maintain oneself on the journey of change. Um, 
that's not to say that it's not incredibly difficult, right? As the people around us struggle in their own ways, as their struggle affects our relationship dynamics, um, absolutely, it can carry an effect on us, which is oftentimes why we so desperately want people to change around Mm -hmm. us. If they're different, I can experience them, this relationship, even myself differently. Though I think time and time again, we're all coming to realize that change, not to say sound cliche, but change comes from within. Um, and the focus on oneself. So if you are that human um, that, you know, has struggling humans around, those in the dark night, those that you know could really benefit from change, unfortunately, the the journey for you out there is to create the change that you need in that relationship. If there is some aspect of that person's way of being that is crossing a boundary for you or is resulting in you not feeling safe, or if you just need a bit of space to be more in alignment with your own wants and needs, um, the journey for you now is to create that change yourself. And the beautiful thing that can happen and often does is the world does change around Mm. us. Um, The relationship does begin to shift. That doesn't mean it's going to shift in the direction we want, Sometimes the shift is into something that feels and looks different, um, might not be as quote unquote close as we once or look exactly as it once did, though often what it shifts into is something that's far more sustainable over time. Um, Because what happens is we become so resentful um, of others as we continue to feel unfulfilled in ourselves and in our relationships. And again, we very naturally then think, well, if others changed, I could feel differently, though the process is internal. As we change, quite often others do change around us. Oh God, if only we had, <laughs> if only we had a magic wand just to make it all easy. <laughs> that person who had that magic wand would be quite popular, yeah. I think. And Nicole, finally, I'd love to ask you if you had one important message to give to the Frollo and single parent community all over, what would it be? My one message that I want to end on and send out to everyone listening um, is that you're you're right where you need to be, um, honoring yourself for you know jumping on and listening to a podcast like this, being a part of these conversations, you know, just listening to new ideas um, is such a, a brave place, a vulnerable place to be. Um, and really honoring where you're at. We all have that tendency to look outside of ourselves, to compare our journey to someone else's, to perhaps hear someone like me talk and imagine me to be somewhere different than you are, or you know, have different aspects about me that allowed me to do the things that you now can't do. Um, really honoring right where you are, um, you know, and allowing that to be what it is. We are all so critical of ourselves. Um, we all carry, like I said, oftentimes so much shame around where we imagine ourselves to be compared to other people. And I think healing for so many of us begins when we can compassionately look upon ourselves, perhaps with some more understanding. The reason why I talk about the body, the nervous system, our physiology, our subconscious is to offer that relief for maybe the one human out there who has been harboring a an, a a worry over, you know, brokenness or, or has had another narrative wrapped up around why you feel stuck or why you've been stuck. Um, I hope that, you know, for that one person out there, they can gain a bit of relief. Chances are you're stuck because you're human. Um, we're all stuck in our own way. Um, and again, like I said, if we can become compassionate and honor where we are, perhaps why we are, we can begin to create a, a opportunity to make some change, to make some conscious new choices, and then really to be able to embody 
being a creator of our life. Because once we become conscious, in my opinion, we can really create endless change and endless possibility. So to everyone out there, I thank you. I honor you. I see you. Um, and I, I hope that you can be a bit more compassionate to yourself, to your journey um, as you begin to perhaps create some change. Nicole, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It is just such an honor to chat with you. And thank you for sharing all of this with the Frodo community and for taking the time, especially in your super busy schedule. And just thank you for all of the work that you're doing and that you're putting out there and for, yeah, working so hard to become your authentic self and inspiring others to do the same. Thank you so much, Zoe. And thank you for doing the same and for showing up as you are day in and day out. Know that you are inspiring so many beyond probably what you even know. And I'm sending you and everyone listening so much love. Thank you so much. Nicole, where can people find you? So it turns out that that Instagram account, the.holistic.psychologist is still alive and kicking. Um, we have so many beautiful self-healers that are very engaged in the comment section. So anyone, again, looking for some connection, um, some human who we can share our journeys with, definitely come over and see that all that's going on at the.holistic.psychologist. Um, been revamping a couple of our other platforms. So in the next couple weeks-ish, um, you'll be seeing a new revamped website at theholisticpsychologist.com. Um, and our new YouTube channel will be unveiling season two. Also, you can search YouTube at The Holistic Psychologist. And then finally, in the next couple of weeks, we will be rolling out a podcast of our own called The Self-Healer Soundboard. So lots of exciting projects, lots of ways to find me in the work. Um, though, like I said, I'm always shouting out that Instagram because it's where it all began and it's where I am day in and day out to do the work of healing. Amazing. And everyone has to get your book immediately. <laughs> and the book is international. So anyone listening to outside where English is may not be your, your first language, definitely give a Google. There's been a lot of, thankfully, um, international contracts picked up. So it will be translated. Um, and I love the provide the opportunity for everyone to, to read the book um, in the language that is the most understandable to each of you. Nicole, you are a gem. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you so much, Zoe. If you would like to connect with other single parents in your area, as well as a wider community of single parents and access support and advice easily, download the Frodo app and join us. Otherwise, head to our website, www.frolo.com and sign up to our newsletter to stay connected to us. All the links are in the show notes. To help us reach more single parents, it really helps us when you subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review. So we would be really grateful if you could take a minute to do so. You've been listening to Frollo, the single parent podcast, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, have a great week.